What? We're Mewtwo. What? what? And so finally, I can use my powers to destroy. Oh no! You, you We're at one hundred and fifty. Oh, I was going to use my powers to like reshape the world. And my, you know what? It doesn't. That's matter. That's right, Lucas. We have one hundred and fifty listeners. <laughs> finally! Oh, at long last! <laughs> oh, oh man, we have a few more than one hundred and fifty listeners. We, I know that. <laughs> I'm well aware of what our numbers look like. It was a joke. Uh, no, we're at a, episode 150, yo. Woo! Woo! Yay, 150. Let's go. Do you know why this is, is important for our listeners to know we're at 150, Madison? Because of that's the original Pokédex? Well, because it means that our next episode will be found under a truck by the SSAN. Or so <laughs> Don's uncle told me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even when Don is not able to come because he's fishing in Baja, he's still here somehow. Uh, it's under a truck. Yeah, no, the next episode, you're going to have to find the hidden HM. Yeah. So the next episode of Lucas Lecture, you're going to go under your truck. You're going to look for a recording. <laughs> Please don't search under trucks. How did yeah, this don't... get taped here? <laughs> yeah, like, Who that? taped like, this to my truck? Like, Who did that? Hot jokes on you. I taped them to all the trucks. <laughs> so on this 150th of our episodes, uh, I wanted us to do a topic that one, we've been waiting on for a while. And two, one Madison really knows because this is something I've kind of put off a bit because I'm not the legendaries and like legends and mythology person. We have one of those and she's right here with us today. So today we are talking about dragon type. We are? You, yeah, dragon type. Oh man, I prepared the wrong episode. Yeah, sit tight. Everyone grab a cushion, a couple of chips. If you're in traffic, well. Wait, I get to say it. Cue the music. Okay, we got news. That's just in. We got news. This is more important than any science news or Pokemon news. We have Poke Science news. Oh, right. Con- convention stuff. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Oh my God. What do we got? What yeah, do we got? and we're going to have conventions throughout the summer, right? Yeah, we have. Um, oh, you're the one doing it up north. I'm. I'm. Ho- I'm still waiting on that Dragon Con invite. It'll be there one day. You It'll need to go there. do Metro again. I thought. Yeah, I gotta check in on Metro. Metro's been like for it's. It's too far now for me to do it right now. I, I'll look into it. We'll see if we can. I mean, Metro then you get done. a trip to go visit Don. Yeah, that's true. Don's still out there. I mean, it's only what like a five hour drive. Uh, seven and a half. Yeah, it's a little bit longer <laughs> than that. <It's- laughs> Makes it a fun weekend. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, we'll be at Fan Expo Cleveland, previously Wizard World Cleveland. Uh, I'm not sure the exact date, but I'm assuming it's Saturday the 30th. <laughs> because I was pretty clear that I only had certain availability that weekend. Um, <clears throat> actually going to be me and Lila. I'm, uh, she's pretty excited. So we have updated the previous panel. So there will now be two versions of this panel this summer uh, that Don and I created called Pokemon Under the Sea. Uh, and Lila changed it because she thought that Huntail and Gorbius are terrifying. <laughs> yeah, the whole, so, she's not wrong. So she's she not she wrong. went through it. We went through the original one. And she was like, "No, no, scrap all of those." So I've made an. I've been working on her with a new one. Um, I haven't sent it to you guys yet, but we've we've been adding Pokemon that are like things that she likes. So I'm really excited though, because uh, you know it's still going to be talking about water Pokemon and marine life. And then Colossal Con is the weekend of June 4th, and we have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six guaranteed panels and two that are pending. Because we just like to talk. Yeah, like we literally, Colossal Con is ours. It is. I think it's, I think it's, we just, we, we really enjoy that convention. And every time we're there, we do well. I mean, we met, we met Eugene there last year and he, he presented with us at MetroCon this year. He was great. Uh, so I think, honestly, I think we just have had a lot of fun always getting to be there. Uh, we're going to do a panel on legendaries. Uh, the one that Don came up with called the Pokemon Survival Guide. I'm really excited for that. Like how to survive in the Pokemon world. Uh, Pokemon of the past. So we're going to talk about like extinct uh, animals. Uh, Pokemon on location. That's going to be one of mine where we're talking about the locales. Sorry. Pokemon on location, that's going to be one of mine, where we're talking about the locales that the games are based on, as well as the cultures, and how that goes into game design. 
as well as pokey predators, which is one that Don and I came up with last year where we're going to talk about different predatory animals that Pokemon are based on, and then the predatory Pokemon, as well as how their adaptations help them survive. And then the original version of Pokemon Under the Sea with all the scary stuff. And I look forward to seeing all the PowerPoints and giving them the Lucas touch. Which is the best part, because Lucas comes in and adds like all sorts of gifts and we're like, oh, it looks pretty now. Yeah, like, hey, this, that's, I can make any PowerPoint look good. I, am, I can make award-winning PowerPoint. That is my pickup line. That's it has your, never that's worked, but it's still mine. But when it does work, it'll be the right person. It'll be the right person when that does work. That's how you know she's the one. Yeah, she's like, really? I'm a master of Excel. And we'll just kind of like merge together and we'll like run a small business perfectly. And have little uh, Word doc babies. <laughs> Maybe Uh, I can have Microsoft sponsor like all the childcare. So take away the cool news now. Science news, Pokemon news. Yeah. So for science news, um, it's nothing too crazy this time, but I kind of wanted to bring attention to it because I was brought to attention to it this week. So when I started my new job, we had a couple of new people who joined in along with us for the training at the facility. One of them actually getting their master thesis in using drones to identify different dolphin populations in South Carolina. Ooh, and, fancy. and so that's why I, I found this really cool article where it's talking about how drones are being used more and more and more for, you know, helping animals like be saved and helping endangered species out. And they're the obvious ones, like there are drones that will fly over the rainforest and find endangered monkeys in Brazil. There are drones that are going to be used to find dolphins there. Are, but I thought a really cool was one that they called the uh, the snot bot. And the snot bot is literally used to fly over whales on islands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and just like wait for them to like blow, uh, like use the blow of breath in the That's blow how hole. they check for COVID. I mean, that's one of the things they might check for, but they use that to check the snot to make sure like, oh, we can DNA check this animal. We can check for any diseases. Like you can get everything you want just from that mucus that it collects with a flying Petri dish. And I think that's such a cool and unique idea for a drone. And it is one of those things that, this is a closer citizen science thing. This is something people can get involved with when you're not with a science degree, because if you are drone piloted and licensed, you can be pulled in. Like I've met people who are like literally flew a drone twice. And then Nat Geo said, Hey, can you borrow this person to help them fly? And you're like, I mean, there's all kinds of weird stuff. Like oh, where's, where's my phone call? I'm a licensed drone pilot. Yeah. I mean, if you go out, they always need them these days with drones. You can do so much more, especially because it's not as intrusive. You don't have a bunch of people slugging it through the trees and just making a whole bunch of ruckus. No, you just get one of the quieter drones, just have it fly by and do it in an environment that doesn't have like birds of prey because they will tackle that crap. The, the drone application across like all fields, like, like, you know, excluding like the stuff that you talked about, there's just so much happening. Like I know there's a lot happening in agriculture too. Like there's just people are starting to like really dive into all the different things that, that this technology can be used for. And it's going to open up a lot of different possibilities and create a lot of different uh, avenues for, for research conservation, that all those kinds of things. Um, I think it's just, it's awesome that people are starting to embrace it fully. Yeah. So what Pokemon news do we have? Once again, waiting on Scarlet and Violet is giving me a headache. Yes, we'll keep it a little bit short because we got to get to them dragons. But one inter- one cool little thing is if you saw the, the illustration contest. Um, yeah. I the the fan little... illustration contest. Mm-hmm. They announced the first round. So the top 300. The top 300 uh, submissions. And honestly, like, there's some gorgeous artwork in there. I think uh, if you, you could actually probably link to it also on social media so people see it but there is some some beautiful beautiful artist work there and so that's they're gonna be i love the i love the cromerant ones in particular yes top 300 i mean there's like i'm not gonna go through all of these but like i like how they're in road of alphabetical order so you can look at all the arcanine mm-hmm. okay the cormorants are like yeah cormorants look just that's that's just great. I'm going to stare at these all day at this point. Dang it. I'm stuck here. Uh, we got to keep going. But like, if you look at my favorite so far, having only scrolled down is by, by a girl named April. That is so cute or Albert or April. They're both like tied. Like that is the cutest way to draw corner I've ever seen. I love it. Oh my God. It's so great. You know what I really want to see though? And I'm kind of sad it's not in here. I want to see like a, like a five-year-old's crayon drawing. <laughs> 
No, this uh <laughs> like here's a bunch of squiggles. It's Arcanine. And like I want that to be an official card. So bad. It would make me so incredibly happy. Nintendo, just give us one card where it's like an eight, you know, like like I don't know, like ten and under contest. There's one by Louis Zong. If you look up Scizor, oh my god, it's so cute. Like there's yeah. some really, really good. good. There's a there's a Pikachu one that's like uh, Van Gogh esque. I'm also sad there's not like 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 cubism versions of like these. Like I want to see like abstract art Pokemon too. Oh well, either way, it's it's awesome. So um, what do we have? Any other ones? In uh in Pokemon Unite, they are adding the little blue egg Azumarill. You mean the the god of of water? Oh my god, those were hard days when it just high huge power and my choice band and I mean uh, they can oh, still do that in singles, yo. Oh, but you don't have water absorb. Uh, oh, bam! I'm excited for more Azumarill costumes. That's also that's all the only reason I follow the Unite stuff at this point is just to see all the different outfits the Pokemon get. Mamoswine already has the peak outfit of like its hoodie and like it looks like it's about to throw down on these streets and I'm like yo 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 that's the sickest one stop game over we're done you had Sunday mass blastroids which I thought was a pretty good he looks like he's off to his Sunday best 1130 mass and he's going after brunch afterwards with the family that was great that was a good one but like this one with him just straight up with the hoodie it's like yo that was so so good I'm going to go out here and say I want Exploud for cool outfits because, like... <gasps> can you imagine Exploud with a top hat? I can imagine Exploud, like, literally decked out like Phantom of the Opera with, like, pipe organ style. He's already a pipe organ. I would just love that. Like, give him a Phantom of the Opera mask. Give him a cape. Like, I just just go hard with it. Like, if you, like if he's already a pipe organ, I mean, just go for no. it. No, yes, with the Phantom of the Opera. That's so great. Yeah, I want to blast music of the night and get copyright struck by Broadway. <laughs> So the the last bit of Pokemon news that I'll say before we jump to the topic is that the registration for the Indianapolis regionals is live for for Go, TCG, and uh, VGC. But it's all up there, and hopefully some people can make it out there and and maybe have have a good time. Yeah, we we could use it honestly. Pokemon needs to be back into fighting shape. I feel so heartbroken that the world happened the way it did, and none of us could go to the UK. So wait, where, where where's the next where's the next world's at? Well, it's still in it's still in London this summer. Oh, okay. Oh, the world is still in London. Yeah. All right. I think we've got enough news, Madison. This is your show. No let's way. Go, let's go ahead. Tell me about them, their Durgans. <laughs> tell me, tell me about them, Durgans. So, um, where do we start? Ancient aliens. No, please, God, no. <laughs> this is done. I'd rather die. I would rather turn this to a Digimon podcast that acknowledge ancient aliens. I asked you to do that for April Fool's, and you told me no. I, so I don't want to even hear that I joke. Like I don't want to hear that joke. I asked you to do that. I thought it'd be the greatest thing ever. Next year. They'll never remember this episode. So, um, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> Dragon Mythos. Okay, let's talk up real quick, though, about where, because we've talked all about dragons. I mean, we've talked about them in various episodes. We've talked about them in mythology episodes. We've talked about them in, you know, various folklore episodes, and we've talked about them even in our first episode, um, in, Into the Wings, Onto the Wings. Yeah, we talked about, like, Dragonite being too fat. Yeah, so... Don't fat shame Dragonite, Lucas. Sorry, yeah, Dragonite's wings so being too small. and I love her, and her body is perfect. I like the angry one they show in the anime instead of the friendly ones they show in the games. There's, there's one in the anime that just... There's a friendly you... one in the anime, too. Yeah, Ash but, got one. Yeah, but, I like the mean uh, one. Was it Iris had an angry one? Yeah, I like Iris's, because literally, this is how a pseudo-legend should behave. So, draconic creatures, like, appear in almost every myth mythos around the planet. Like, they're just... It's a huge, widespread um, phenomena. And so, draconic-like creatures actually first appear in ancient Near Eastern and Mesopotamian art and literature. And there are stories of like giant sea serpents showing up in ancient like Indo-European uh, and Near Eastern mythos as well. And so the thing is that it's so widespread and it's from so many places at once that scholars can't really agree where it came from. Like there's a lot of debate on where it came from. So what we're going to do here to begin this episode is I want to talk about where dragon mythos possibly came from because now we're doing evolutionary theory which is i'm so excited like i love applying this to mythos 
because to me, it's just like, it's a cool way to think about like, why do people have these similarities develop across cultures? Like the idea that cultures have these evolving phenomena at the same time because of like, you know, the advancement within human populations. It's just interesting. So the first one we're going to talk about is snakes. Nope ropes. No, that's, I will not tolerate any, dis any of that language. Snakes are beautiful, just like dragon eyes body. So with entomology, we can follow the roots of, of dracon, uh, it, or it, which is Greek, or uh, draco in Latin, and they're both references to snakes. And ancient Greeks used the term to describe large, constricting snakes. Um, the Greek dracon, or dracon, I'm not sure I don't speak Greek, uh, but associated with like a poison spray or spit. Fair, reasonable. In the book, uh, An Instinct for Dragons by anthropologist David E. Jones, who came up a ton when I was doing research for this episode, he suggests that humans are like monkeys with an inherited fear of snakes and snake-like creatures. And we know that, again, like evolutionary theory, the idea that it would help us survive, we see that with spiders as well. So studies have shown that even small children are afraid of snakes, like about one-third of percent of the population, in areas where there are no snakes. So this suggests that early human ancestors had to be fearful of large snake-like creatures that would prey on them. And it could explain why so many early dragon depictions are of snake-like creatures. So, you know, dragons are, you know, they reside in dark caves, deep pools, wild mountains, sea bottoms, haunted forests, which are all places that would have been, you know, fraught with danger for early human ancestors. And so just the idea that, like, culture is embedded in our genetics is just the coolest thing to me. We've had a chance to bring it up at uh, multiple facilities I've worked at where it's like people are freaked out by snake. We literally have to take precautions because like if you're standing in the wrong place and you have a snake in your hand, people are going to run screaming and they like they just don't. It's it's more than just a, like, oh, snakes are bad. Stay away from them, kid. It's a guttural fear. You can tell when someone sees a snake and they're like or a spider or something like there's just something about them that freaks us out. And my ex-wife was like that because we have, I mean, I don't, Lucas not gotten to see it, but Chris and Don have. I mean, I have a pet tarantula. You know, Lila's other mom loved that thing. And then my ex-wife was like, get that away. Like, it will never come out of the cage. <laughs> but it's like, you know, it's an inherited thing that some people just have, which is funny to me because like my girls are now really big about trying to get a snake. And like Kevin really wants one too. And they're like, we're going to get a snake and a dog, mom. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know about that, but okay. If, if you need a snake, you let me know. I'll tell you a good species or two. Cool. Thank you. All right. So moving on from snakes, we're going to talk about dinosaur bones, which this is another one that I, I just, I really love this one. So um, in her book, The First Fossil Hunters, Dinosaurs, Mammoths, and Myths in Greek and Roman Times, Adrian Mayer. So she makes the argument that some of the stories of dragons may be attributed to the discovery of dinosaur bones and other creatures. So she believes that dragon stories from India can be linked to the bones in the fossil beds of, um, I'm going to say this wrong, this Sualik Hills. Sualik. But also like, you know, in China where dinosaur bones are common, um, they're often referred to as dragon bones and even used in herbal medicine as dragon bones. Can you even imagine what it's like to be digging up like for a castle for some lord? And you're digging deep down to the basement and you just start pulling out like a T-Rex. Like sorry, you wouldn't find a T-Rex skull, but you would find like fossilized teeth and like this massive. You black might find a T-Rex skull. You don't know about that. T-Rexes are only found in North America. So. Okay. Then you find an Allosaurus, Lucas. I mean, yeah, that would be. Way to be to pedantic. Me. Um, actually. <laughs> um, cutie. But like, no, you'd still find some plenty. Like imagine finding. Like in China, like you said, there's so many things that lived there. Like you're finding like these massive sharp teeth in the hole you just dug that are caked black. Like if you have no idea what a fossil is, yeah, that's a horrific monster that died here. Wait, what could have killed this horrific monster? Oh my God. Like there's so another horrific monster. Exactly. There's so many things going through your head. And yeah. And so of course you're going to put your own culture on it as well. And it's not the only thing people have turned into medicine. I like the idea of someone discovering it and being like, this totally breathed fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute because we're going to talk about salamanders. Yeah. And I know I know both of you know that mythos because we've already talked about that a few times in the show. And I know it's one of Don's favorite stories. Um, <clears throat> but honestly, tying into the China connection, like where do we find fossils in places where there used to be water, right? 
which often can be along river and waterbeds. Well, in Chinese and uh, Indo Indochina and Japanese and Korean folklore and mythos, dragons are symbols of water deities, or they are water deities. And so it kind of fits that. You'd be like, oh, well, I discovered it near where th there's a lake or river. Yeah. And that it's, connection that like, well, this, you know, this river has a monster guarding it. It's not, it is, it is a very logical leap to make for, for someone who has just discovered something that they previously had never seen before. Yeah. Well, and my kids and I talk about this all the time too, about like people's beliefs about animals and stuff. And like, well, if you've never seen an elephant. You know, it's funny too, because we talk about this with fossils, but like it happens with real skulls too. If you showed people the skull of a walrus, it looks like a cyclops with really big teeth. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hold that thought because we're going to get to that. Yeah. Hold that just, thought, Lucas. Mm -hmm. Okay. So moving on. Holding. Lizards and Komodos. So like reptilian. So in some of um, Adrienne Mayer's later books, she actually talks about a dragon lord. So I'm going to clarify. Her later books are actually about North American folklore. Mm-hmm. North and South America, as well as like Pacific Island areas. <clears throat> but she talks about some of them maybe based on living creatures like Komodo dragons, Gia monsters, iguanas, alligators, um, or in California, the alligator lizards. And so she talks about like how these creatures may have influenced um, Native American folklores too, where you do see like similar dragon-esque stories. There are also thoughts about the influences coming from the Nile crocodile in Greece and Italy which those creatures have a huge range swimming and they can swim all the way across the Mediterranean to Italy or Greece. And we're talking about something that's capable of, you know, it's known as what's it called? The high walk. Yes. It's, um, I mean, like if you've never heard of this thing, all of a sudden this gigantic crocodile that's 22 feet, you know, shows up and starts walking on its hind leg. No. So it, the high walk isn't, uh, it's not a hindland walk. So when they mention the high walk, it's basically a stance that the, so if, if you think of an American alligator and it's trying to climb up and walk a little bit, you can see, because I looked at pictures of it, and I thought it was, like, standing on its legs. <laughs> yeah, so they they stand up, but they stand up higher, which allows them a better and faster walking speed. There are some that are even capable of galloping. Got like, it, which is reminiscent of European dragon. That yes, sense, it, so. if you look at, like, an alligator, like, almost like it just perched up, it's stancing in a way that allows it to walk better on land. <laughs> Crocodiles can do it really well, um, but alligators, mm, mixed results. I have a new, new uh, band name, the Galloping Gators. No, 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 no. The high walking gators. That's the, that's the more highbrow music. And then my, my rock group is the no, galloping gators. No, no, it's not, gators. it's not, it's not, it's a Muzak band. Oh, <laughs> it burns. All right. Oh. So uh, finally, actually, Lucas, going to what you're talking about is whales. Whales! <laughs> and Sorry, so another theory that. is that whale bones actually influence the stories of monsters like dragons. Um, ancient humans came across it, you know, these large, gigantic creatures. They have no idea of of knowing that these bones belong to an aquatic creature <clears throat> that are even non-predatory to humans. And since whales are most underwater, they've been so poorly understood by humans for much of history. So it's, it's a, it's a possible explanation that whale and whale bones actually tied in. I love the idea of someone like some um, Mesoamerican like man going out to go fishing and like he comes, he goes out to the ocean, comes back and like literally just like walks into like his home, grabs like some harpoons and spears. Like, what are you doing? Ocean's haunted. Wh what? Ocean's haunted. And just gets on his boat and leaves. I'm like, no, I'm not going. I'm taking these. <laughs> Imagine seeing a whale, like not just one from a distance of like the spray where you don't know what it is, but a full grown pod of humpback whales all around you. And you're in your tiny fishing boat, fishing on the same thing they're trying to eat. That is horrifying. What else do you call that aside from a, a monster, a dragon? Oh, God. I mean, you'd be terrified. You're like, am I going to die here? Yeah, it's actually one of those. It's weird that that's one of the things that unites humanity in a time where we feel like we're so divided is that 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 adaptation of the unknown to something we're familiar with. Well, but like that adaptation is why we have bigotry, yo. Yeah, but it's also why we have unity. And yeah, we have the terrible stuff. And that's got to be rectified. Thank God we're smart enough to recognize it now. But I think that also like that unifying story of like, I'm so scared. What was that thing? Let's come up with what that thing was. That's how we get some of our most interesting stories. That's where we get so many different stories from every culture. And that's where we get the dragons and all their weirdness. And I believe according to your notes, there's a lot of weirdness. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. So 
All right, let's talk about some Pokemon. Yeah. We're going to talk about Hydreigon. Yeah. Hydreigon. Yes. Hey, Zayn Dragon. Yeah, exactly. It's the German. I didn't know how to say. Yeah, I have no idea how to say it. I always said. I always said Hydreigon. I think it's Hydreigon. Whichever sounds more German. That's usually the one to go with. Hydreigon. Hi, Dragon. Uh, it's based on Yamato, uh, no, uh, Yamato no, no Orochi, you know, the red eyes and so forth. Uh, three heads, shiny uh, coloration resemble what's called. This is a Russian one. I'm going to screw this. It's my Gornyet. Gornyet. Yeah, that's pretty good. Gord, especially the Gornyet. You really handled the CA. Gornyet. Yeah, I'm not very good at the Russian Ukrainian. No, that was which is good. hilarious because my family is Ukrainian. Like, I'm terrible <laughs> at it. So bad. Um, so Yamada no Roshi, it's a legendary eight-headed and eight-tailed Japanese dragon serpent. And next year, when we do the April Fool's joke, we're going to talk about Orochiman. Um, so Orochi, the Orochi myth, uh, essentially what happens is the Shinto storm god uh, Susanu is cast out from heaven and runs into two earthly deities who are like, oh, we're upset. And he's like, well, why are you upset? And they, you know, they explain that they are forced to give one of their daughters to the Orochi um, every year for seven years, and now they have to sacrifice their eighth daughter, whose name I'm not even going to try to say. Lucas, you wouldn't do that because you... Kushi Narahime. Uh, so uh, Susanu explains that, you know, he's the older brother of the sun goddess. Amaterasu. Amaterasu. Yeah, like Amaterasu. Name. I was going to say that. Thank you. <laughs> that one I actually know. Um, and so he offers to slay the beast in return for... Kushi Narahime. Kushi Narahime. <laughs> Hand in marriage. And so they agree... So what he does is he offers the um, the Orochi a, a strong sake, which the creature then drinks and then it falls asleep and then he attacks it and kills it. Um, so it's in a lot of like Japanese anime pop culture too. Like there's an episode of Digimon season three. Now I, I was sitting here all day at work trying to remember. I know it's in one of the Rumiko Takahashi's, but I couldn't remember if it was in Ranma or Inuyasha. That's what Madison? I couldn't remember. You are too classy to know this, but this is Orochi Maru, like literally Snake Man Ninja of Naruto, one of the big bads from the original. Oh yeah, I didn't watch Naruto. Yeah, no, Naruto was like my jam as a kid. It stopped. I have a rule that I don't watch any show that has over like two hundred episodes. I'm good. Yeah, I I can. Yeah, so no One Piece then. That's why I won't. <laughs> it's why I won't do Doctor Who. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good because what if I like it? Then I have to watch all 200 episodes. I don't want to yeah. do that. I don't want to watch <laughs> yeah. through that. Pain. One Piece just reached 1,000. I know. Yeah. One Piece at 1,000. I'm good. Yeah. I, nice. I watched it when it was at like 600. I actually watched up to episode like 200. And then then it, got, it kept going and I was like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, uh, Sme Gornich. Gornich. A Russian mythical creature. It's a dragon or serpent, or sometimes like a human-like character with dragon-like traits. The the zmi or uh, the dragon, often depicted with multiple heads, and like a number of heads can either be three, six, nine, or twelve. Apparently, it has multiples of three heads. Anyway, so it can also turn into like a handsome youth. Which high dragon? Why can't you do that? Yeah, I'm just looking high dragon. Like you, um, you sure about them notes there, Madison? High dragon just doesn't conform to your beauty standards. <gasps> I think it's gorgeous. Honestly, I can't wait for Gen 5 sitting cuties because that's going to be one of the first ones I get. That is a bolt. I'm Golurk. Give me my boy. <gasps> yeah, Give your Golurk will finally be a plot. So I'm happy for you. It's finally. I've waited so many years. <laughs> Calm down. So also, it, it, it has elements of, yeah, the Hydra. I mean, you, you all know this Hydra. This is the version of Hydra from, like, the second labors of Hercules, right? It's a Greek Hydra. Um, the one where you cut off the head, two more grow and come back. It's the one that we see in Dungeons and Dragons, which why haven't you put Orochi in Dungeons and Dragons yet? Come on, guys. Like we need that. Please. Does um does Hydreigon learn poison gas or like poison breath? I thought or it did. I, I thought it actually did. Because if it does, then I remember that's a I remember reference. uh Gen 5 singles, that thing was stupid broken because it had a huge move pool. Uh it learns toxic. Ah, uh, good it enough. Does get to- toxic it- is not bad. Yeah, because like that's what the original Hydra could do in the legends. It had poisonous breath and like it it was nasty stuff. Well, and that and that also goes back to what Maddie Maddie was talking about. Yeah. Uh, With dragons. Yeah. Can we also just talk about real quick about how weird Hydragon is in that I have just now learned that the two smaller heads are actually its arms. 
yeah, the little weird. Imagine trying to use fine cutlery. Just, it's impossible. Like it's just got it's got faces for hands. Uh. So, oh wait, oh wait, wait, wait. I'm seeing in the. Wait, did was this thing supposed to be based on a tank? Yes, it was actually. So the obviously, I feel like they well, they were trying to go dragons destroy everything, and they're like, what else destroys everything? Tanks. Uh, no, Ken Sugimori. Uh, in an early interview, said that the early design structures for the Hydrogen line were influenced heavily by tanks, and they ended up scrapping it and going more with the mythological influences. But you can actually see on the Hydrogen and Zwilus, it has those sort of tread marks on its belly and tail, the kind of purple tread marks, um, and that's left over from the the early tank designs. Well, remember, remember. Um... What is it? Remoraid was supposed to be a gun. Yeah, an artillery is supposed to be a tank. But I'm so angry that they keep scrapping these designs. You coward. Make a tank. I understand the gun thing. That's fine. I understand that. Make a tank. I mean, Barraskewed is a, a torpedo. I don't know, Lucas. Like, after watching, like, war in Ukraine, I'm kind of okay not seeing a tank monster. For me, I, I just want to see them. I, I, I have this idea. Like, you had this. Re- that would have been such a unique idea that they haven't tried yet. But I, that's a me thing. If people don't want it, they are have every right to not want it. I am just that guy who. I just wanted want to get to a, a a fey dragon, like a fairy dragon. Like instead of one that just needs a mega stone slapped on it to get a weird fluffy bird dragon. Yeah, yeah. No, they're not bird. Fey dragons are just are they're, they're just fey. Oh, I mean, like Altaria is like the only like fairy dragon really. Well, and then, oh yeah, I forgot. Mega Altaria is, isn't it? Yeah. Then here, have this rock. Like, no, no, no. We want a real fairy dragon. Let's go. I forgot Miguel Tari. All right, moving on. Salamence. We've talked about Salamence a few times. Mm. Yeah, he's awesome. He's the... Clearly, it's based on the, arch- um, the archetype of fire-breathing European dragons just by the design, right? The way the wings are placed, the way the legs are placed, the way it stands and walks, which, again, is reminiscent of the, the Nile crocodile, as Lucas said, that high walk. Do any of you want to talk about salamanders and folklore? Because that's a cool story to me. Yeah, so again, the original idea for salamanders, um, we've taught, I love this story. So people would originally get really cold in the winter, and they would just go ahead and take logs and throw them onto the fire, you know, as you do. And all of a sudden, outside of the fire, these little salamanders, these little newts and what have you, lizards, would run screaming out of them as fast as they could to get into the water. And what people didn't realize was these animals were just trying to hibernate in the logs. What they saw was out of fire, out of nowhere, these things just started crawling out of it. And so that's where the myth of the salamander came, this fiery lizard that would just come out of any fire you started. And it was really interesting because, again, that added to the theory of like, oh, if you leave out rotting meat, flies will just pop out of it. Like that was part of that thought process that you could just make life pop out of existence. And I love that salamander has that European design, although technically because it has six limbs, is it not an insect? I mean, Wait, what? I mean, technically, it does have six limbs. I mean, the, the wings do what? count as limbs. So would it technically be an insect? What? Where are you getting six limbs? I mean, so you have the wings. They count. Yeah, I mean, like, if you have one, two, three, four, technically, it's an insect. I don't know what to tell you. Get out of here. I'm just saying. <laughs> I know it's not like, again, the salamance, obviously, is the archetypical. So we're not going to spend, like, all this time. Archetypical, whatever. I, we're not going to spend too much time today, but we you have to all give a it. shout out to Baggin, Lucas. Baggin is the magic carp of dragon type. Well, sorry, that would technically be Gumi because they say it's the weakest dragon type, but Baggin is like <gasps> trying its hardest. They take that back. The weakest dragon type is clearly Axew. Um, they, it's in the Pokedex. It's in the Pokedex, so we have to follow it. We can call it dumb, but we have to follow it. Now, on the note of dumb, which is not dumb, we got to talk about like the dream killer the pokemon so dangerous the champion had three of them um to be fair dragonite's amazing and i love her and i have one and it's been my favorite plush since i got it oh look an ice beam (gasps) hold on the dragonite can also learn ice beam oh look a choice specs here you go here you go greninja fire you know what i'm done <laughs> Sorry. Okay, right, so it's a depiction um in the game. It's described as like a guardian of the sea, which is what we talked about in the first episode too, actually. So call back Hala. Um <laughs> which suggests it has elements similar to Chinese dragons, right? So Chinese dragons are strongly associated with water and weather, which is what we talked about earlier, usually within popular regions of China. 
Um, they're believed to be like rulers of moving bodies of water, such as waterfalls, rivers, or seas. So the dragon god, which is one of the main gods there <clears throat> within the, some of those mythos, some, not all, clarification, um, but it's known as the dispenser of rain. They're the ruler of water and weather, and the dragon is more anthropomorphic in form, often depicted as humanoid dressed in a king's costume with a dragon head and wearing a king's headdress. So like almost like dragonite, you know, standing up, right? So because it's associated, they're seen as like they're in charge of water-related weather phenomena. And so in pre-modern times, Chinese villages um, had temples dedicated to their local dragon king. As we said, right, like you find dragon fossils and it starts as trend and then it like evolves from there. And it's so cool to me uh, that that's how these things might take off. And so they would make offerings to these deities for like, you know, drought or flooding. Like, hey, don't let this happen anymore, please. <laughs> I mean, that would, I mean, imagine finding like this fang near the river and then leading to that point. That'd be so interesting to see the villages that still like to this day, keep a piece of the dragon with them. Oh my gosh, that would be so, I mean, I'd be kind of disheartened to get a paleontologist in there to tell them it's a dinosaur. I think that's the cool thing. Like I had a friend who's an anthropologist. I had one growing, uh, going through college. And to me, that's like the coolest part of this, right? Is that there are cultures in our world right now that are still, still very much like that. Someone's probably going to have to tell them that it is a fossil. But again, it's that debate of should you tell them if it's not harming anybody? Yeah. yeah. Okay. But so anything else? I, I knew the so Chinese also part. like they also tie into Japanese mythos, which as we've said since episode one, Lucas, Japan loves Japan. Loves Japan, loves Japan. Japan loves <laughs> Japan so much. Yes, it does. Japanese mythos of dragons are actually most scholars assume likely based off a Chinese dragon mythos as well as Italians from like Korea and India subcontinent. And so that some of these Japanese mythos, um, they, uh, they mix the native legends with the imported stories. And that's where we get like the new, like the current finalized stories. And so the style of the dragon clearly heavily influenced by the Chinese dragons, right? They have the long slender body, the legs usually with three fingers and they, they often get associated with rain and bodies of water. And they're depicted as, you know, large wingless serpentine creatures. However, according to Bulbapedia, uh, the famous artist, I cannot say his name. Utagawa Kuniyoshi. Thank you very much. Apparently has drawn Japanese dragons with wings. I looked everywhere. I found one that is drawn with wings. It does not look anything like Dragonite. I'm not sure what the hell Bullapedia is talking about, you. I've gone through like a hundred some pictures. <laughs> and it was like, wait, none of these match what I'm being told. <laughs> but there are some with wings. So I think that's interesting too. But I definitely think it ties in. Because when we think of Dragonite, like my first thought is always like water. I mean, that's how my, the anime depicts it, right? Yeah, My first thought has always been Dragonair. What happened? Um, It got a glow up. Clearly. Oh, I appreciate the glow up. No, no, it's, it's a glow up because it's happier now. I don't care what if you're gonna body shame my dragon, get the hell out of here because it's happy. Look, all I'm just saying is that it's it happy. It looks completely it's different. It's, it's happy. fine. It's okay. It's happy. We're good. We can go to the next one because the next one is my favorite. The next one is one of my favorite legends. Is it really? I love this thing, Ray. Rayquaza. If you say Rayquaza, you can be wrong. It's fine. I Ray say Rayquaza. <laughs> yeah, Rayquaza. No, I'm going to say Rayquaza. I don't care how the anime said it. Most of that was dubbed by four kids. They're gone. We don't care. Wait, where did four kids go? Did they file for bankruptcy? Uh, they're dead now. We don't need to care what happens to them. Idiots. Um, yeah, so Rayquaza has ties to either Chinese dragons or Linworm. Um, but we've talked a lot about it being tied into Z uh, Ziz with its role, which Ziz is like Hebrew legends matching the idea of Leviathan and Behemoth being that third party. Um, but also, you know, Aztec god Quetzalcoatl, flying serpent, you know, <clears throat> who's seen as like the boundary of earth and the sky. Uh, there's a lot that goes in here to Rayquaza. But Quetzalcoatl, I can see it with the coloration. I don't know how much it is with like, anything else because again quetzalcoatl well even the patterning on the body kind of makes me think of quetzalcoatl because there's some people who are like well you know the uh was it nazca lines 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, or it could just be, you know, Aztec art. <laughs> yeah, it seems like, I mean, the line work and everything from Groudon and Kyogre is very similar and reminiscent of that. But I think it has much to do with Ziz than anything well, else. Well, to be again, fair, have... though, like Pokemon likes to combine things like crazy. Yeah, no, they just throw it all in a blender and make billions of dollars. It, it, it's its ability to fly through the sky and stuff kind of matches some of the you know the Chinese creatures, um, the you know the East Asian dragons um, or Japanese dragons, you know, specifically in design with where the Japanese dragons have three claws opposed to some of the Chinese dragons that have four. Um, clearly matches some of the design elements here. <clears throat> but one of the other things that we've talked about that does match in Rayquaza is the linworm. So the linworm is a popular motif found in runestones in Sweden. In Sweden. Um, so they vary across countries by how they appear and stuff. But they appear as like a wingless, serpentine body with a dragon's head, scaled skin, and two clawed forelimbs. And they don't walk on their two limbs like a, a wyvern, but they move like a mole lizard and they slither like a snake and use their arms for friction. Kind of like Ray, Rayquaza does through the sky, right? He's very sli- He's very sky slithery. So there yeah. are even Austrian tales that talk about the linworm where they live near um, Klagenfurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like apparently flooding threatened travelers along the river coming from the linworm. <gasps> Dragons are blamed for weather effects. Naturally. Shh. And so a duke offered reward for anyone who could like capture it, and some young some young men tried to like tie it with a uh, tie like a bowl to a chain, and or sorry they try to catch it with a bowl that they tie to a chain, and it swallows the bowl, and then dies. <laughs> I that's amazing. Like we going fishing, get the cow. Like excuse me, I'm pretty sure that's the plot to Lake Placid. It is like closet. And Betty oh. White feeds them cows. Rest in peace, Betty White. I, I also want to point out when Rayquaza flies, like in the animated movies and stuff, it's like so they added like that serpentine movement to it. Like it's not like just zipping like a straight torpedo. It's literally like slithering through the air. That's so these are so perfect for this thing. It's so perfect. Okay, so um Drudagon? Yeah, I'm really? gonna have I'm gonna have Chris and you take this one away because I this is one of the few Pokemon that I just don't like. This was definitely you're not the only one. This is one of like the least cared about Pokemon, especially I just, for dragons. I don't care yeah, about it. This is probably the least popular dragon. Yeah, this is definitely the least. I mean, popular like dragon. honestly, I love Gumi and Gudra. I think it's no, gorgeous sweet. and adorable, and I just want to kiss it. I don't. This thing I, makes I've me want to just vomit. This one, it's it's it definitely not to everyone's taste, and its power and ability are just so lacking that no, it's not like Dracovich, which is a horrific monstrosity, but its stats make up for it. Drudagon is hideous, and its stats aren't good enough, so it doesn't get like the love that the others did. It's not one of those. It's so ugly. I love it. It's it's so ugly. It's eh. Now, Lu- Lu- Lucas, though, can you tell me about this Agama thing because these these creatures are pretty cool. Yeah, red-headed red-headed agamas. Yeah, these are desert-dwelling creatures. They tend to they tend to be hanging out in the rock structures a lot. They tend to come out for air. I need I believe the coloration is a way for like the females to get attracted to them. Uh, I think the males and females might have some slight. I'm not the most familiar with this creature. I just know that they are reptilian. They do hang out in the desert, which is weird cuz Drudagon tends to hang out in like caves and stuff. Yeah. The I would say that the this Drudagon was Gen 5, right? We're talking in, in France. Yeah, I I went uh, in, in the gargoyle vein uh, when looking at, at Drudagon. Gargoyles aren't just a really awesome cartoon from the 90s. But uh, gargoyles, like the, the idea of using the structure to kind of divert rain away from structures, that goes back ancient Egypt, uh, ancient ancient Greece. They're tip- those were typically animal heads like lions. Uh, and then once you get into Europe and, and the rise of the uh, of religion and churches there, it's when they kind of morphed more into these dragon-like figures. But in particular, in France, there was uh, the legend of the Gargouille, which was a dragon that lived in the Seine River, uh, and it was terrorizing the town by just flooding it with massive waves and shooting water at people, uh, just being a real jerk. And eventually, a very uh, out-to-prove-himself man by the name of uh, Saint, eventually became known as Saint Romanus, 
decided to take on the dragon to to free the town of the oppression that the dragon had and went with a crew of i think it was two prisoners uh who were sentenced to death and they went to the dragon's cave and they fought wait, it like we just say though like like what awful slave use there right like, like well you're gonna die anyways wait and- what and they, oh, well, the, uh, the, so they went and they fought the dragon. And I, for, according to the story, the dragon was calmed when presented with the sign of the cross. And they calmly escorted the dragon back to town, where it was condemned to death by the townspeople, who determined that it would die by fire. From what I could gather, because the idea was that fire was the opposite of water that it had used to kill all the people. So they burned it. And all that was left was the dragon's head and neck, which they then mounted on the church. And then that was then used to divert water away from uh, the church and the masonry. Which, ironic, even in death, this dragon was still spewing water on the townspeople, just for a more productive reason, uh, in the end. Can Drudagon learn hydro pump? It cannot learn hydro pump. It can learn rain, uh, rain dance and, I think, surf? Yes. Yeah, that's a lovely story. Why couldn't they put a little bit more in the stat department and maybe it could have been better? That's what I got with Drudagon. That's all anyone wants to know about it because it's not cute. I mean, come on. I, I don't like it either. Okay, but the last uh, one... We, last can't one is body, we can't not body shame Dragonite and then start body shaming this one. Oh, no, I'm not body shaming it. It's its personality. Mm, Dragonite I mean, wants to give me hugs. I, Drudagon does too, but he's No, just, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I seen his teeth. Just... <laughs> so the last one. The has... last one is it's so adorable, and that you kiss it on the forehead. I read that Pokedex entry again. I'm nope, the one no, 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 it's those. adorable. I it's read my those. babysitter. It's my babysitter Pokemon. Grandpa is a monster, and I love it. It's him. a great babysitter. We love Grandpa for different reasons. I mean, like, I don't have to worry about my daughters being bullied. <laughs> no, you never do. You will have to worry about the local town's bully, you know, instead of learning their lesson, you know, dying. That's okay. <laughs> they're kids. Like, they're bad kids, but they don't deserve to have their houses burned down. I mean, they're not, not like dying they're... if their house is burned down. They're just, their house is gone. They were in the house. That's the assumption. It's implied. It's no, the implication. it's not implied. Don't, don't do that. What are you, Dennis Reynolds? <laughs> 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 so yeah is there any obviously i'm just gonna say it never ending story dragon that's oh that's, that's it. the luck dragon we'll talk about it yeah. in a second so drampa also is based on chinese dragon known as uh the shulong or torch dragon um mythical creature that's like the face of an old man the body of a dragon uh it's like a sun deity right um giant red solar dragon and uh yeah it's Created it apparently creates day and night by opening and closing its eyes, and it creates seasonal winds by breathing, which makes sense though when you're like, oh, Trampa's a cloud. Yeah, it's floofy, and again, if you're best friends with it, it's awesome. But it's kind of like Gudra. Gudra gets real upset and like really clingy. So it's like Good. one of those things. Like it's great and loves well, you. You know what? But there's it's a not caveat. Gudra's fault. It's codependent. It is hyper, <laughs> especially the um the Hisui one. Oh my god, that thing! Right. Like, if you so anyway, also also the Luck Dragon from Never Ending Story, which is apparently Lucas's favorite movie. No, it's I've never actually seen it. I've only seen the Wait, ending really? scene. Yeah, Ooh, I never saw on. it. Hold on, you're a nerd and you've never seen Never Ending Story. I have eclectic tastes that have a few gaps. How in have it. you never seen that? Because when my mom, when me and my brother were growing up, my mom didn't have a lot of money. All she knew was that Disney movies worked, and so she bought a bunch of Disney movies. She didn't know, being a foreign mom, she didn't know which movies to like were the key to an American kid's childhood. She did the best she could. There's my emotional backstory of like, yeah, I'm sorry that my mom did it. My, my mom was in a new culture with not a lot of money getting her master's with two kids. I'm sorry I didn't hit the keystone of everyone's childhood. My bad. Lucas, you're going to come up to Ohio. We're going <laughs> to watch all the 80s movies that you missed. And I'm we're going to have popcorn. And you're going to have a great time. I'm going to watch A Horse Drown in Mud. Yippee. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's close the episode. <laughs> I'm so excited for Fan Expo Cleveland. And I hope people come. Because, like... I'm not I'm not as cool as my kid. 
Yeah, your kid literally threw out all the cool animals. So you know, we're on a we're on a talk. I don't know. She added she added shallows. That's why we're still like this. We still think she's cool because she added she took out the scary ones, but she added cool ones. So it's kind she of she added moon jellies. Out. She added certain sea lions and seals because to her those are the fun ones. Yeah, wait until she sees their teeth. Um, we have actually we we just uh, Columbus has a huge sea lion exhibit. We were just there. You get to swim or not swim. You get to walk underneath their tank and watch them swim under on top of you. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It was it's a cool exhibit. Uh, Columbus yeah. is a cool zoo. I'm happy we have, we have a Oh, it's an amazing there. facility. I've had people who worked up there. Like it's, it's Well, it's an hour and a half from us, but like we still have membership there and not Cleveland, which is 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good zoo. Uh no, please come out to Fan Expo Cleveland. Please come out. Um and Colossal Con. We'll keep posting about that. And if you really want Lucas and Don to do MetroCon, start giving us shout outs. I'm sure Lucas will go with Don. I'm sure. I'm I'll sure try, they, have to, they have to put those do. entries in. They got to put those entries in now, uh, and you can see Lucas at DragonCon most likely. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm still I'm talking with DragonCon. You'll be there. Yeah, you'll be there, and you're gonna have a good time. All right, guys. So thank you so much for listening. If you want to show your support, obviously we have the Patreon. But if you want to get a shirt, if you want to just share, like please share us with your people. That's how we've gotten this far. We are like in the top ten of like Pokemon podcasts because y'all shared. Uh, weren't we number one for a while? We're uh, we've never been number one, but we're I th- we're like in the top three. Yeah, yeah. Top I would say three. we've been like number three for a long time. Yeah, we've been holding that rank. And to be to be fair, like the, to be fair, we're oddly specific like genre. <laughs> we are a niche within a niche, and that's saying something. And like for us to be at that position is pretty cool. That makes and me it's happy. because of y'all. Y'all did this. Yeah, you're all great. Uh, legit, Literally one of my your staff friends. members. One of my new staff members was like, oh, yeah, you're Lucas from the Poke Science podcast. It's like, <laughs> thank you, Marcio. Appreciate the love. So <laughs> I'm so nervous because this year my students are like getting are really smart. And they're like, we're going to find your podcast because we know you do. We know you do two of them. And I'm like, oh, I don't want you to find my early episodes where I'm just making like sexual innuendos constantly. <laughs> all right. We love you. This is behind this is 150 episode. Yay. Our next special at 300. You know who's the 300th Pokemon? No, I don't. Skitty. No. <laughs> I love Skitty. No, I was gonna, I was gonna say we should do a special episode at 196, because that's my favorite. Well, we'll see you all at 300 for the Skitty episode. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.